Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? It is Wednesday, uh, 6 p.m. on the dot. Uh, first day of Bill's training camp is in the books. Head over to Syracuse.com or NewYorkUpstate.com right now to read my 1,500-word opening day observation piece. We're going to dive into that today on this, our first training camp edition of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. I am Matt Perino. Joined, as always, by my main man, Ryan Talbot. Uh, Ryan, how are you this uh, fine Wednesday afternoon, evening, I should say? Hey, I'm doing great. It, you know, it sounds like a pretty exciting day back at back getting into the, the groove of training camp. So really enjoyed your piece over at the site. Yeah, so a couple things about that. It was very an exciting day. There was a lot of energy today. And, you know, one thing that just stood out, we talked to four or to five six people totally total in person for the first time in over a year which just that buzz from that kind of interaction again was was cool it's the first time we ever got to, to meet stefan Diggs in person you know he signed in march last year in the middle of covid uh the media was never really able to be around him other than uh zoom uh virtual zoom meetings uh so that was a a, a really cool moment but something he said stuck out it's like I'm just glad, glad to be back in practice. And I, I will say it was really great to be back on the practice field watching uh, as the Bills went through their first, you know, still spring-like practice, no pads yet. Uh, a lot of uh, the observations, I think that you got to you got to kind of take with a grain of salt. But, you know, they're, the building blocks, the foundation uh, of what this the, a lot of these competitions are going to be started today, we'll get into a lot of them. Uh, this Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast as all of them are, are brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Spend more time enjoying everything that summer has to offer and less time worrying about getting to the store with Tops Pickup and Delivery. Shop for your groceries online, choose, pickup, or delivery, and Tops will bring the groceries right to you. Visit topsmarkets.com to get started. There's a ton to get into, Ryan Talbot. Let me ask you first, because I always like starting these off when we can, your big takeaway from everything that you, you saw on the day. I was there. We're going to get into it. But what stood out to you from the coverage today? 
Well, there seemed to be a lot of praise for Josh Allen picking up where he kind of left off last season on social media. I, I did see that he started off a little bit slow at first, but then it seemed like he picked things up. And yesterday I, I kind of talked about wanting to see him get on the same page with Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, it seemed like that was part of the mix a little bit today. But w- what were your overall thoughts on Josh Allen's first day here? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And, you know, we got a chance to talk to him after practice. And obviously, you know, the COVID vaccine situation with Cole Beasley came up and his extension came up and, you know, he dialed it all back to to football. And they're very focused on hitting the ground running. Uh, They felt they feel like they've set a nice foundation in the spring. And now they're going to try to, you know, translate that to some some continuity here early on. And it was just the first series, uh, a couple misfires, nothing nothing too crazy. And, and I didn't even have a section on Josh in the piece because after that, he he really settled in and just made a couple of good plays. And to be honest with you, um, those plays to me don't warrant a section in these observations anymore because that's the expectation is that Josh is supposed to be good. Josh is supposed to be solid. And that's what he was today. And, and I didn't not- notate one Really awesome throw. It was a spectacular grab from Emmanuel Sanders. I think his first real big-time play uh, after a couple practices in the spring as well, it's week two of OTAs and then minicamp, this was his first big moment. Trey White was on him in coverage. Uh, it was a good back and forth. Trey White got up after the play, and he disputed the catch. Incomplete, incomplete, but I was standing around. I believe it was Sal Capaccio and Mark Gaughan from the Buffalo News. And I think we all agree that it was it was a catch. A lot of red zone work done today. Um, and, you know, they they looked really sharp. And I think that the battles that we saw, and we'll get into a couple of them, some individual stuff. I think that the I, I like the way that the offense met the defense's intensity. We talked a lot about that in the spring, right? That the, the defense just seemed to be a little bit uh, a step ahead. This time around, I really felt that the, the offense showed up ready uh engaged the defense was was playing hard they were they were talking chirping a little bit which they tend to do um a lot of excitement on the practice field if you're watching on youtube hit that like button subscribe if you haven't already we're going to get into all of our, our observations today uh but you know one of the things you said you were looking for with sanders was how this thing is going to develop what you've seen and what you've read and heard have your expectations changed for him at all? Because we've talked so much about it. I'd like to dial into that for a moment because I'm going to be writing about Sanders uh, at the site tomorrow. We'll get up. We'll get a chance to talk to him and that story will be up uh, later on in the day. But I was really intrigued hearing the way that everybody from Sean McDermott to Josh, to Cole Beasley, what they said about Emmanuel Sanders today. I think it, it reinforces everything that we said that I still think this is an upgrade over John Brown, at least injury-ridden John Brown from last season. Yeah, that's exactly it. Buffalo had, uh, obviously, a record of John Brown's injury history, the the medicals from last year. There's a reason that they were willing to let uh, let him go and not try to bring him back at a reduced salary. So uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders in 2021 will be an upgrade. Uh, My expectations have not changed. I still think this is a wide receiver that can get the Bills six to 800 yards. I know that's a pretty wide range in, in NFL terms, uh, but the way that the Bills throw the ball around and the weapons that they have in the passing game kind of makes that 
difficult exactly where to figure out where he could fall because in addition to Stefan Diggs, who is the clear number one target in this offense, you still have Cole Beasley. You still have Gabriel Davis as well, in addition to Sanders. But I think Sanders can be a huge part of this passing game. Uh, give them another element in terms of what they probably thought they were going to get last year with John Brown and Stefan Diggs on the field at the same time. But unfortunately, injuries kind of took that away for the most part last year. Mm-hmm. Good question in here, and I think that's a good transition point. We'll get to some of the housekeeping that Brandon Bean got to at the beginning of his press conference this morning. Jerry Hughes showed up and failed his physical, has a strained calf, nothing too serious. He was out there on the practice field. He was on the bike before practice, and he was over with the defensive lineman uh, as they were running through some individual work. I think that that's something that they're just going to wa- you know, have a watchful eye on, but I think that it you know, provides an opportunity for guys like, you know, Gregory Rousseau, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa to get a, a better look from the coaching staff, get more uh, time on the field. We'll talk a little bit about Rousseau in a minute. Uh, he had a nice play today. And then also, you know, COVID still ever present in our lives. A uh, couple cases over the off season that Brandon Bean said that the Bills dealt with uh, got taken care of. He did announce today that on the COVID reserve list now is Deion Dawkins and Ike Butker. One was vaccinated, one wasn't vaccinated. So continuing to deal with the uncertainty around, you know, the virus and, you know, escalating numbers around the country, even in, you know, Western New York. So, you know, it, it we're not like scot-free out of this thing yet. I mean, even for the, the percentage of people that are vaccinated, this is still going to be something that impacts the team. And, you know, it's probably good to have this type of thing happen now, but you know, as we get into the season, I still think the expectation should be there's going to be times when when guys are probably going to miss, especially, you know, if if you know, depending on where max mask mandates are, and you know, I'm not getting into what yeah, yeah what everybody thinks about whether they work or not, but you know, if numbers continue to surge and we continue to see positive cases, um, it's gonna you know it's gonna linger over everything. Now the NFL did get all their games played last season, so uh, but it's just something to monitor. Yeah, absolutely. Something to monitor, something that could play a role this season on a game-by-game basis. Uh, And and again, that's where the vaccinated versus unvaccinated argument comes in. We're not going to spend too much time on that, but if you are vaccinated and uh, you're positive, you can come back within a shorter time frame as long as you're not showing the symptoms and you pass two tests within that uh, 24-hour window where the unvaccinated, I believe it's about a 10-day window where you are out uh, regardless of, of how you're feeling. So that could be a big change on a game by game basis between, you know, why you should and why you shouldn't. But the, the bills kind of address that. I think we, we know where they stand on it. They have support for all the players in that locker room. And then turning quickly to Jerry Hughes, you know, if there's one player on the defensive line, the bills fans don't have to worry about it's Jerry Hughes. You know that he is with that one defensive end that still has that bend that has the ability to get around the edge, uh, provide that, speed rush to get pressure on the quarterback maybe hasn't amounted to as many sacks as you would like in the in the past few years but he's still a consistent uh pressure he's good at getting pressure on the opposing quarterbacks and you know he'll be able to do that again in 2021 so being out for a short term with a an injury that's not too serious like you said that that's a blessing in disguise for some of these young guys on the team whether you're talking about a second year player like AJ Epineza the two rookies that were drafted in rounds one or two Rousseau and Boogie Basham or even a free agent signing who's not necessarily in, on that younger side, but young in NFL experience in FA Obata. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I transitioned this is NYAP uh, in the 716 brought up um, 
if since Ike is out, will that jeopardize his chances of making the roster? And I, I don't, I don't think necessarily that'll be the case. I'd imagine he'll get back in time, probably for the first preseason game. If everything goes uh, right, I believe Brandon said today that one of the players didn't indicate who was asymptomatic and one was uh, symptomatic and you know, how, how the recovery time works out. Uh, I, I'd imagine, you know, the advantage a guy like Ike Bucker has um is you know over even a guy like Forrest Lamp who's also a veteran is he's been in the system for a long time so it's not like he's trying to get up to speed on what his responsibilities are you could pretty much log him in anywhere on the interior and he'll be off and running yeah a roster spot he's I, I feel he's very safe just based on the fact that they they went to him last year when Ford went down he, he had all that starting experience and like you said he's someone that's been here for a long time uh, someone they didn't want to lose at one point, and, and when they did, he was picked up by the Chiefs early in his career, and as soon as the Chiefs let him go, the Bills signed him back, and they haven't looked back since. They, they thought there was a skill set there that they could develop, and sure enough, they have. So I don't think it hurts his roster chances. Now, you could make an argument, depending on how long he's out, it could hurt his chances to win one of those guard jobs uh, because you feel good about Feliciana locking down one. Uh, but but Brandon Bean said, you know, they're going to be Ford's going to be go, playing at both spots, looking to get a starting job. So maybe both jobs are still out there for the taking, even though Feliciano seems like he's a favorite for one of them. Both jobs are out there, so it could hurt uh, Butker in terms of maybe winning one of those jobs out of the gate week one. Uh, Cody Ford and Zach Moss were out there today practicing. Zach Moss with a couple touchdown runs uh, in some of the teamwork, but again, emphasize, you know, pads aren't on yet they're not hitting uh a lot of those run plays uh you don't take too much away from but it's a good sign the ball's in his hands he's running in between the tackles that's a good sign they're out of the red jersey which they spent the entire spring in those non-contact red jerseys so that's a good sign and Ford, it's going to be interesting they sean mcdermott said it would be irresponsible if those two guys were full go we're going to kind of monitor them as we go maybe put more on their plate as time goes along. But I think the real indication of where those two guys are at are going to be where the pads do come on and how much they play. And if it's similar to what they're doing now, and I will say for Cody Ford, he was out there quite a bit today. Uh, I, I liked what I saw. I thought the quickness was there. I thought the, um, uh, lateral quickness was there. And again, he's facing a pass rush against guys that, you know, uh, it, it's, maybe 70% uh, speed out there, but a good sign for a guy coming off um, the injury that, uh, that Cody Ford, so, uh, it was a so shoulder injury, right? I'm thinking of that. Yeah. It wasn't no. Yeah. So, you know, the latter of quick quickness should be there. Yeah. But no, like you said, in encouraging to get them both back. Uh, you know, I, I know after Moss suffered the injury in the playoffs, they said it was a success, uh, successful surgery. They anticipated him being ready to go, but you still want to see it. So having him out on the field a lot, that's great. Those two also started Latule, who's not coming back from an injury, but from opting out one year ago, kind of same things that were said today. Uh, go at your own pace, get back into the groove. It, it's good to see him getting back into the mix as well. So uh, you know, football is here. You want these guys that haven't played for a little while, whether it's opt out or injuries to kind of get their feet wet. And then once they feel comfortable, you really want to see what they can do when the pads come on and you're talking full speed. Gregory, let's get into a couple plays that, that really stood out today. I'll set up, uh, we'll get into the cornerback two competition in a minute. I uh, got some thoughts on that. I didn't write a ton about Levi, but uh, he did uh, make a couple plays out there. I probably should have included them. Uh, there's a lot to get to today, Ryan. We'll get more. And and these these practices, like, uh, you know, I I don't want to just include. First of all, we can't include every detail. I mean, I, I I there's you know 
we can't get into it. So, but <laughs> we can't include every detail. So let me just say that there's stuff that happens that unfortunately we're not even uh, able to really talk about, but um, there's a, uh, a play today that stood out on Dane Jackson. There was also a play that early on that Levi Wallace made. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure that I wrote it down here that he was in coverage, but he, you know, he was on Stefan Diggs a couple times. Diggs, uh, he caught a uh, touchdown pass from Josh Allen. One of Josh Allen's nicer plays too. I didn't include that in the story either. Klein had some really good, AJ Klein on a blitz, had some really good pressure in Josh Allen's face. He rolled out, found Stefan Diggs, you know, the same old uh, story that we've seen a, a bunch of times. But Levi Wallace, we'll get into that in a minute. I want to set up that uh, CB2 uh, battle. Gregory Rousseau. You know, with Jerry Hughes out, there's going to be an opportunity for Rousseau, like we mentioned, Boogie Basham. And I thought Rousseau today, he continues to just look the part. And for me, that that's so important because one of the things that I had concern about him once the draft had ended and we were gearing up for mini rookie minicamp and and in and, and the rest of the spring is how much how, how out of place is he going to look here as he's trying to figure things out? And we talked about it, everything that we were hearing about how he was engaged in the meeting rooms and some of the things that Leslie Frazier said about him, all good things. But you still got to go out in the field and perform. You know, I was really paying attention to his, you know, get off today. And he had two reps. The one was the one that I wrote about, but there was two reps where I thought he was really good against Daryl Williams, a veteran that, you know, last season, if you're looking at one of the premier performances by a Bills player, that we, I always go back to that Steelers game against TJ Watt, and he was outstanding. This is a guy that, you know, could be on the cusp of all pro type of potential, uh, Daryl Williams, after signing this three year deal. And Gregory Rousseau looks perfectly at home against him. Now, I'm excited to get to the one on ones when they, when they start battling uh, with pads on, and you, you could kind of see these kinds of interactions a little bit up closer. And then, you know, even the teamwork once they you know, get after it. But for what we've seen now, Gregory Rousseau to me is popping and that is great news. If you're Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, and especially Eric Washington. Yeah, I agree completely. And I'm not anticipating him winning one of the starting jobs or anything to that nature. I still think they're going to go with their veterans uh, in Hughes and Addison, but that's where he can still come in. He can be that change of pace guy uh, that plays limited reps, but, brings that energy, brings that speed, and, and he'll be going against tired offensive linemen in games, whether it's on obvious third down pass situations, maybe they feel he's an upgrade at that spot, uh, or whatever the case may be. And he could really come in and make an impact as a rookie in that role. Now, maybe he looks the part in, in training camp, and, and he takes a big step in terms of getting uh, going over the expectations that I think a lot of people have for him. I'm not going to sit here and say, never say never on a, on winning a starting job because it's the NFL. Anything can happen. Injuries. Uh, there's always surprise releases. There are always moves that could be made, but I still think he can make an impact as a rookie in that situational role. So it's good to see that he's popping right now, that he's flashing and he's making the most of these opportunities. Mm -hmm. CB2, I wrote about it uh, yesterday. You could go check out uh, some of my top position battles. I think the defensive line conversation is a fun one to have. I wrote a little bit about that and the ambiguity a little bit too of the, of the you know, there's not that traditional position battle necessarily. It might be cross positions that that, that happens. Hello. Uh-oh. Got a little co-star for, uh, for this next part here. So, yeah, CB2 I think is the premier 
position battle uh, going on in camp. And today, Levi Wallace comes out, makes a, a really good play. I believe he was in coverage, maybe on Dawson Knox, I want to say. Um, made a good play. Uh, didn't have a pass breakup or anything like that, but, um, you know, just looks comfortable. He looks the part. He looks like he's been there before. And I think that's what Brandon Bean talks about over and over again is a guy that you could just rely on him and he embraces that, like, that competitive mindset that Sean McDermott like wants so bad later in practice. I, 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 I would pat myself on the back for this one. Although the cleverness level of this is, is not very high. I mean, let's be honest, but I said, man, we, we might have to start calling Dane action Jackson. Cause this dude, every time he is on the field, there's some type of action. He's in the middle of a, some kind of big play. And today Duke Williams was in the end zone near the goal line. And that's where Duke Williams usually does, you know, some circus type uh, uh, acrobatics and, you know, make some big plays. I mean, some of the most sensational catches I've seen in practice over the last three seasons have come from Duke Williams. I mean, he is a really good practice player. Oh, I understand. Can you go tell mom? Okay. Well, why don't you come up here and just listen to me? Okay. And so, um, so Dane Jackson, I lost my train of thought. So oh, it, no, that's all right. I'll, I'll, yeah, here. absolutely. I do want to hear her thoughts on cornerback too, though, and she's more Dane Jackson or Levi Wallace. But, uh, you know, both players are going to be fine in this system. You have a superstar across from them in Trey White. So whoever wins that job, yes, they're going to get targeted a lot. They're going to give up some catches. But we've talked about this, Matt. The coaching staff has the utmost confidence in both players. Levi Wallace has been here since he was brought in as an undrafted free agent. He's won the job over and over again. He's proven that he can be average to above average at that position. That's all you need when you have a lockdown corner opposite him. Dane Jackson makes the most of the opportunities. He see, he, even in the practice setting, he seems to do that. And you're right, the, the action Jackson moniker kind of fits for him. So I, I think the Bills, rightfully so, feel good about that situation. It doesn't mean that they're not going to add another cornerback late in the process if someone gets cut league-wide that either has experience in the system or that they feel is a good fit for this defense. But I think that they're going to go into this season with one of them being that number two corner and, and the other guy being not just a top reserve, but getting their fair share of snaps on a game-by-game basis as well. Mm-hmm. All right, let is uh, now that you know we have the floor back here. Uh, Tops uh, Friendly Markets is our sponsor of Shout at Buffalo Football Podcast. Tops loves local. Tops is proud to partner with over 200 local growers to supply Tops with their freshest homegrown fruits and vegetables produced, picked this morning. It can be on your table tonight. All right, Ryan. So, uh, another interesting um, storyline here as we move along, we talk a little bit about. Some things going on in the defensive line. Starla Tulele back in the mix today. He did practice, um, and, and he practiced during mini camp, but it wasn't. Uh, he wasn't really thrown in too much uh, uh, in the in, in the team drills today. He was a regular fixture in the rotation. Again, we can't talk about where he played, but I, I thought he looked at the very least. Brandon Bean said he came in. He, he really liked the kind of shape that he was in. We saw some videos on on social media. Um, he looked like, you know, he was right at home. Now, I think that they want to kind of be careful with how much they uh, put uh, it on his plate uh, too soon because you miss a year of football. You're going to have to get that conditioning up. But just being ready for day one, practice one, I thought Starla Tula looked really good considering. 
Yeah, and we saw those videos leading up to the official report that he was coming back a month or so ago. He looks to be in great shape. Uh, Brandon Bean kind of said he looks rejuvenated. He looks refreshed. The linebacker is going to be thrilled he's back. Tremaine Edmonds met with the media and said how excited he was to have Latule back in the mix. And you're right. Uh, day one out of the gate in training camp, you're not going to see him out there for every snap. Uh, you're not going to see him uh, at a full go just because, again, you're not wearing the pads. He's going to be taking it easy, easing himself in. But he is such an asset to this team. And I think fans really saw that last year when he wasn't there. Uh, early in his Bills career, you looked at the stat line and you said, what are the Bills paying this guy so much money for? A lot of the fans did. They thought there was uh, a signing that wasn't a great one, but you saw how, how this defense was and the amount of rush yards that they gave up up the middle uh, without Latule there. You know that the linebackers probably weren't as disruptive as they could have been last year without because he wasn't there manning the middle of that defense. Uh, having a player like that is going to help Edmonds. It's going to help Milano. It'll help Klein when he's on the field. So he does a lot of little things that don't show up on the stat line, but he is so important to that front seven, and I anticipate him being pretty important to the team's defensive success in 2021. Let's uh, get into some questions. I've seen some flying around in here. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Jake Kumaro because – you know, he's been in the news. You put up a, a story on him today. I'm actually, um, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm hoping to sit down with him on Friday. So maybe a little story on Jay Kumaro uh, to watch out for. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm excited to, uh, to meet him because he was, you know, came to the Bills last year. And he's been such in the news. Obviously, the whole Aaron Rodgers uh, phenomenon happening in Green Bay and the, the drama unfolding. Uh, I still haven't watched back the press conference yet. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. Um but, you know, Jay Kumro is a guy that Aaron Rodgers liked. He said he was the second-best receiver for them in camp uh, last year. The Green Bay Packers moved on from him. You know, he's in a, in a very talent-rich wide receiver room here. Um, and I think it was John Scott who, quote, tweeted that one of the tweets about him being the second-best receiver in camp, and now he's in a camp where he's maybe the seventh or eighth-best receiver. But if you're asking me what are his odds to make the roster, you know, I don't think it's impossible. As a matter of fact, I think that Isaiah Hodgins, for as much hype as he's received over the course of, from me included, I thought he looked great in the spring. You know, he's got a battle on his hands. I mean, Duke Williams, he's this afterthought because he's a guy that, you know, was, was his big time, you know, with the bills came early on in the process. Um, and, you know, since then it really, he really hasn't gotten a lot of shots on the active roster, but he's a guy that, you know, is just gaining experience. They know they can rely on him. He's played uh, NFL meaningful snaps, had big plays in, in games before. You know, he's always going to be a threat. Isaiah Hodges got to go out there and prove it. I think Jake Kumro is a guy that went out last year in the Denver game, limited opportunities, makes the most of it. They value that. And Isaiah Hodgins, for as much as they like him and they drafted him, you know, you only have so much to go on right now. You got practice reps. And we're talking about practice. And these guys have done it in games. I like that and we're talking about practice there. Very nice, very nice uh, Iverson reference there. Yeah, listen, I, I'm not saying that Isaiah Hodgins is Des Lewis or that he's Ray Ray McLeod, but we've seen wide receivers show up big time in the spring, have great performances. And then when it comes to training camp time, they kind of disappear a little bit and then they don't make the roster and, and then there's shock and how did that happen? 
that could easily happen to Isaiah Hodgins. Like you said, Jake Kumaro has experience in this league. He's also a very good special teams player. Six games last year with Buffalo, 95 special teams snaps. They had him on the field a lot when he was activated uh, on this main roster. Not so much at wide receiver. He had one target, one touchdown, 22-yarder against Denver. But he, he can do a, a little bit. And, you know, Green Bay, were they right to get rid of him last year? without consulting Aaron Rodgers? Probably not because Rodgers was singing his praises the day before on on Sirius NFL uh, radio saying how he's a great teammate, great professional, having a great summer, this, that, and the other. But they also had some young guys that they really wanted to get experience playing, and they probably knew that uh, it wouldn't happen if you kept a Kumaro. So it was a tough situation for them to be in. But in Buffalo, like you said, it's also going to be a tall task for him to even make the roster here because – We've already said those first four slots you can put in Sharpie right now. You have Isaiah McKenzie that you have to feel pretty good about in terms of wide receiver five. Uh, get, not just a gadget guy anymore. He's gotten better and better in the slot over his career here in Buffalo. He has that return experience. So Kumaro is really battling Hodgins for wide receiver six. Or uh, if they keep a seventh, that could be his spot as well. So not a guarantee, but yeah, I was going to ask you if you watched the Aaron Rodgers press conference. Uh, it was more of like a 20 minute roast of the Green Bay Packers organization, just where he <laughs> and there's nothing they could do about it. And I mean, listen, they know that he is a MVP, he is the reigning MVP. They know that without him, they're going to see they would have seen significant uh, a decline in terms of wins and losses this year. So they're already going out of their way, bending over backwards to make him happy trading for Randall Cobb, a player who realistically maybe doesn't even make the roster in Houston because of that cap hit. And not only do they send a sixth round pick over to Houston, um, they're, they're taking about $5 million off the books for Houston because they're, they're only paying about uh, Houston's only paying about 3 million of that $8 million contract in the trade. So He's getting one of his old targets back. If the Bills end up getting rid of Kumaro or if there's uh, if they need another wide receiver in Green Bay, I could see them going out of their way to contact Brandon Bean too and say, hey, listen, we don't know what his situation is in Buffalo, and if you don't think he's going to make this roster, what would it take to get him there uh, to Green Bay? So never say never. I still think he has a shot of making this 53-man roster and that Brandon Bean's not just going to let him go. Um, so, but... It, with Aaron Rodgers, anything's possible. You can see right now he's having his way in Green Bay uh, as, as they kind of get ready for his last dance there with the Packers. Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds over the course of the season. Always, never a dull moment around Aaron Rodgers. He he's he reminds me a lot of TNT. You know, uh, here for the drama. And it's going to be fun to watch it all play out. That's not even the catchphrase. I ruined it. What was the catchphrase on TNT? No, it, it has it something to drama. No, no, no. That was no, TNT. Is it, is, it, is it TNT? We love drama. Something like that. Something but like no, that. I loved it. I loved it. That, okay. was, that was great. Oh man, I butchered it. I, yeah, I, I'm just going to put Kenzie back in this spot. Just take <laughs> over the show. Um, next point. If you guys have anything that you want us to discuss, I'm trying to scan the. Uh, um, We've talked a lot about Dawson Knox. I'm probably not going to dive too much into that right now, but I do want to talk about Mitchell Trubisky. And 
I wrote about him a little bit today. This is we know drama. TNT, we know drama. Mr. Brooks, 1914 on Twitter. My man, thank you for that assist. Um, TNT, we know drama. Damn, that would have been so that would have been fire if I had it uh on that spot. So Mitch Trubisky came in today, looked crisp. I thought he looked good warming up, throwing the ball into the net. Uh, you know, Josh Allen's usually going to look the best of the group, no matter who's in there, unless you had Patrick Mahomes maybe in the mix. Uh, but I thought Mitchell Trubisky looked good, just warming up. And then um, um, finish the story about Levi versus Duke in the end zone. Oh, did I not finish the story? Oh, maybe that's where I was uh, when Kennedy came in. Well, let me go back to that, and then we'll get to Mitch Trubisky, because you're right. I do uh, want to make sure that uh, – I get to that because that's a big piece of the thing. Um, so Lee, oh yeah, I didn't finish the story on uh, on the play. So Duke Duke Williams, one on one with Dane Jackson. You saw the play developing, and uh, Mitchell Trubisky was in a quarterback, and it was on an island, one on one. Dane Jackson versus Duke Williams, size advantage Duke, physicality advantage Duke. You would think, but as as he's been come to known to be known, Dane Jackson stepped up to the plate and. You know, he was there for it. I mean, they exchanged in that little moment before the while the ball was hanging in the air. Uh, Dane Jackson held his ground blow for blow with, with Duke Williams. And as they rose up, I, I believe either Dane Jackson was able to get his hand in there and affect the pass or his presence didn't allow Duke Williams to really truly extend. He wasn't able to get his arm all the way back and he wasn't able to make the play. Anyway, Big play in the end zone where, you you know, you look at that play developing and thinking Duke Williams is probably going to come down with that play. Incomplete pass. And those are the kinds of plays. If that's a third down play in the red zone and you force a field goal in a tight game, those are the kinds of of plays that just scream, uh, you know, McDermott, McDermott's defense. Those are the kind of plays that can change the course of a game. Yeah, the big time change the course of the game. I mean, you just said it, not just force a field goal, force a field goal in those Buffalo wins. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's September or January, those wins can be swirling and make things really difficult. We saw that in the playoffs against the Ravens last year. One of the best kickers in the NFL had issues making kicks in Buffalo in that game. So, you know, getting the special teams on the field, it doesn't just mean that the other team is going to get a guaranteed three points. They might come away empty handed. So, Getting those pass breakups in big situations in the regular season uh, would really benefit Buffalo, especially when I'm expecting this defense to take a step forward after a, a slightly disappointing 2020 campaign. This is why we love the commenters and our live viewers, which, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Hit that like button and subscribe if you haven't already. I would have left everybody hanging without the full Dane Jackson story. Uh, shame on me. Uh, I'll have to uh, give Kennedy a hard time when I see her after the, uh, the show, if she's not already in bed. Um, all right. Back to Mitchell Trubisky, because I think that this is really developing. And I saw a tweet. Um, I think it was just a fan tweet, but you know how on Twitter they'll, they'll kind of curate tweets for you based on like topics that you probably tweet a lot about. And obviously the bills, Josh Allen, uh, me and you tend to tweet about that a lot. And so I saw a tweet where they were talking about, um, Josh Allen and his presence in press conferences and how the way that he answers questions, you know, is so good for not only the team, but the fans, like there's no drama that comes from his press conferences. And, and I have to say, he has become really savvy at navigating even really difficult questions at, t- at times, whether it be football related, obviously this Cole Beasley situation, his contract extension. I mean, he stopped smiled a little bit 
when the follow-up came from, uh, I believe it was Adam Benini from channel two. Uh, and he kind of kept it back on the track that he wanted to keep it on. And yeah, it, that's, that's part of the game. I mean, that's part of, you know, especially with Sean McDermott, he doesn't want to give away any uh, disadvantages. And so I think that Josh has come a really long way in his development on and off the field. And I think that that's one area where I think Mitchell Trubisky is probably sitting at one bill's drive every day, you know, since he's been here with a notepad out and uh, Josh revealed today that him and Mitch have already become pretty close friends, um, which I would have loved to follow up, but I'd already asked him a couple of questions. And um, when the first Josh press conference tends to be pretty, uh, you know, questions are flying, uh, et cetera. And I wanted to ask him a follow-up about Matt Barkley and losing that uh, in the room. Uh, but he really talked up Mitch's um, energy in the quarterback meetings and, you know, bringing his 50 plus games worth of experience. And obviously one more year of experience starting the league. And that's something that, Matt Barkley, for as good as he was for Josh Allen, he didn't have to offer Josh experience as the guy. And I think that Mitch, even though a lot of it was bad experience because of how much he struggled, it's still experience all the same. And what went wrong there, I think, can really, you know, help Josh in a lot of ways. And there's some things that went wrong for Josh early on in his career as well. But he says he's really smart. He asks a lot of good questions. And again, Another guy in the room that's kind of swirling the conversation around getting this team and this offense to be even better than it was a year ago is good. And another piece of it that he was talking about was with Brian Dable, who went back to the drawing board this offseason. And even in recent weeks since minicamp has been in the lab devising new ways, trying to think up and studying to think up different concepts to, to take this offense and, and, and take it to the next level and, and, and provide new looks as they go into a game or a season where a lot of teams are going to have all the film from last year to prepare for the bills. And they got to be a little bit different. So I think having, um, having Mitch in the room uh, and the, and the, and the com competitiveness that he brings. And also Josh even mentioned it. He's really, this is where I was going with how he is in press conferences for him to, to admit that, you know, the bills are in a really good place. Maybe even if something happens to him, Mitchell Trubisky could come in and is a, a really nice option as a backup. He's here to help us win games. And I think that kind of awareness from your starting quarterback, who's the CEO in a lot of ways, the face of the franchise, it's really good in year four and how, as, and how young Josh Allen is. Yeah, first and foremost, you know, I wasn't surprised here that Mitchell Trubisky had a pretty good day on the practice field. We talked in the spring about how it seemed like he was dinking and dunking a little bit. And that's common when you're learning a new playbook, when you, when you really haven't been on the field with those teammates. So he, he probably had some, some work or did some work with some of those receivers. He really probably dove into that playbook in the last few months. So coming out, seeing what he could do on the field today, it sounded very encouraging. The relationship with him and Josh Allen also great. Uh, Josh Allen seems to be very close with that entire quarterback room. We've obviously know how important Davis Webb is to the mix, but you're right. Trubisky can offer a lot from, hey, a former top 10 pick, uh, and in his case, even higher than Josh went. So he, he's used to having the weight on his shoulders, so to speak, of, of supposed, having to be that guy. And, and although he didn't end up being that guy in Chicago, he had some moments. He made a Pro Bowl with that team. 
he played 50 games. I know wins aren't a quarterback stat, but there are more wins on his record than losses. So like you said, if Josh Allen goes down, we've talked about this, Matt. If he goes down for a quarter of the season or four games and Trubisky can lead them to a 2-2 two and two record, that doesn't sound great, but it keeps the Bills afloat in terms of winning the division, staying near the top of the AFC standings. You want someone where you're not going to have to alter your game plan drastically. Now, are you going to throw the ball 40-plus times with Trubisky? No, you'll probably lean on the run game a little bit more in those matchups if something were to happen. But he's a quarterback that has a strong pedigree, that has some skills that Brian Dable clearly feels like he could utilize if it had to come to that. And we've talked about it. We're not the first people. We're not the last people to say this. If Trubisky shines this season, even if he doesn't get on the field in a game starting, maybe he comes in late in the game and cleanup duty in a blowout or something like that. When Brian Dable goes somewhere as a head coach next year, because it's going to happen, I'm, I'm putting it out there now. It should have happened this past season. There's a good chance that Trubisky goes with him and is that placeholder quarterback with whoever they end up drafting. Because usually when, when uh, teams are hiring new coaches, they're in a high draft seed there's high draft spot to take a quarterback. But this is a big year for Mitch Trubisky, and I, I think he's really going to hit the ground running, and he's going to find himself in an offense where he has weapons, and he has a great offensive mind in Brian Dable and a great quarterback room that can really help him take the next step in his own development. Mitchell Trubisky playing the role of Tyrod Taylor, uh, I think is something that for him, considering how at times bad it went in Chicago – I almost feel like he'd welcome that kind of, you know, art. I'm not saying that he's got to be limited to that, but for a year to go, like early on, Tyrod was really good, I thought. Like looking back at it, obviously he wasn't covering the team yet, but looking at it from afar, I thought that he did a lot of good things and he didn't like lose you a lot of games. And I think that's the kind of bridge quarterback that you want. And you could bring a guy like Mitch along to your point and give him the opportunity to be more than a bridge. But at the very least, I think that that's, uh, a pretty awesome take. Another guy I want to bring up because obviously Deion Dawkins out with COVID gives a very, very large opportunity to third round draft pick Spencer Brown to really get out there and, and, and mix it up and have some fun matchups. And I think one of the things that I saw today more than anything is that I didn't really notice Spencer Brown. And that's a good thing because most of the time when you're noticing Spencer Brown uh, uh, or an offensive lineman in general, it's for a bad reason because they probably just got blown up. Um, a, a lot of times you're not really seeing, especially in these non-padded practices, you know, you're not seeing a lot of you know, pancakes, etc. But I thought that Spencer Brown was really solid today, and I I expected him to come in and have a solid start to camp. I think what's it's such a nice head start, you know. But but at the same token, uh, uh, I had to ask you a question. Come here. Everybody wanted to know who do you think is going to win the cornerback two competition, Dane Jackson or Levi Wallace? Which one? Um, Luki. Luki? Yeah. Your brother? Yeah. No, you got to pick Levi or Dane. Um, Dane. Dane? Yeah. You're the same as Daddy. Give me a high five. Give me a kiss. Okay, go play. <laughs> there you go. That is the content that everybody showed up to the Shout Out Buffalo Bills football podcast for. Um, but no, uh, the more and more I'm looking at this, and I know I, on the same day as Ike Bucker, but I really, I really am struggling to see 
the path to the roster for Jack Anderson, but maybe even to Tommy Doyle. I mean, one of the things that I thought could happen over the course of the spring to now is that Spencer Brown would come in much more prepared to compete, right? I, I, I remember we talked about in the spring, Tommy Doyle had one practice where he just, he was real obvious that it, it, it was a struggle. I think because of the numbers on this team, I think you could sneak guys like Jack Anderson and Tommy Doyle, you know, later round draft picks onto your practice squad, a lot like you did with Dane Jackson with these extended numbers and get away with it a little bit easier in a year like this. I mean, Ryan, somebody was asking, how does Jake Fromm look? I mean, he looked fine. We didn't see him a lot. And so I think that even a guy like Jake Fromm, obviously the off the field stuff, but just a lack of NFL tape, I think you could sneak him on too. Yeah. There's players across the board. I mean, uh, I, I've sat here and been one of the biggest proponents for Antonio Williams getting a fair shake at the running back position. But besides week 17 against the Dolphins in a game where the Bills were already blowing them out and, and had a pretty sizable lead, there's not much tape on him. So he's someone you can sneak on this on the practice squad. There's from there's an Isaiah Hodgins if they do feel more comfortable with Kumro because the film's not there. Now, I, I will say this about a Tommy Doyle because he was taken um, – a little bit early, obviously several rounds earlier than Anderson. There, there could be one other team that, that maybe had a high grade on him mm-hmm. that um, might say, you know, we have him as a developmental guy for his rookie year, but we also have an opening on our mm-hmm. roster. Uh, maybe one a, a team that's a team like the Bengals that's looking for any kind of development possible for Joe Burrow, and they seem to be signing every offensive lineman under the, the sun right now or a Houston Texans team that doesn't have high expectations this year. So I, I think there could be a team where it comes to Doyle, a, a, a higher mid-round draft pick he could go. But yeah, Anderson's a, a great example of someone that I think the Bills would love to stash on their practice squad, give him a lot of, of reps with the practice squad guys at center. So then hopefully maybe he could be the heir apparent to Mitch Morse when Mitch Morse contract runs out or when they move on from Morse, because that, you know, that's part of the transition plan for Anderson is getting him those reps at center. Uh, when it comes to Spencer Brown, I'm not surprised by the fact that he, he's looked the part thus far. And like you said, offensive line is the one position where you probably don't want to get noticed in practice. Uh, any, any accolades or anytime you get noticed at any other positions, generally a good thing. Uh, offensive line though, getting noticed is bad because it means someone blew by you. Someone knocked you down. You made a mistake, this, that, or the other, you know, working with Staley, uh, former all pro pro bowl lineman this past season, instead of actually playing in games, I think that's going to actually benefit him. He could have gone to another program, but he didn't want to leave his teammates, uh, you know, behind because they weren't getting to play. He didn't want to play. I think that development and, and getting to play with a, a Joe Staley or practice and learn and, and pick his brain too is going to help. And we already know about the athleticism. It's off the chart. So I, I think that year one, he starts out as this team's swing tackle. And, and if there is an injury or something that occurs at some point this season, I wouldn't be shocked if they even feel comfortable throwing him into the starting lineup and not making a move the following week to try to bring some veterans in to replace him necessarily, but maybe add some additional depth. Yeah. Lone Wolf on YouTube says Doyle could be on the 53 and just be inactive each week. And that's definitely the case. Uh, I think the more my point is 
because of the versatility of a lot of guys on this line now, like Spencer Brown is a true tackle. Doyle is a true tackle. But you got a guy like Ryan Bates who could probably play all five positions. You have a guy in Cody Ford who, you know, it's going to be sprinkled around at guard like they, like Brandon Bean said today, or Sean, whoever was talking about where they had plans for him. But he could play tackle too in a pinch. So if you're really lean, and, and, and especially if he doesn't make the job, if he doesn't win one of the guard jobs, Cody Ford, and he's still on the roster, you have unbelievable flexibility with him to play pretty much five spots, probably maybe four if you haven't used him at all at left tackle uh, or um, uh, four, three or four spots. He, he obviously wouldn't play center, but that's the kind of versatility that I think that if you have other position groups that you want to bulk up, the defensive line stands out, the defensive backfield stands out with all the different things they like to do there. Uh, keeping a guy like Saran Neal, keeping an extra running back like Taiwan Jones, they keep a third quarterback, they keep a third tight end. All these kinds of things kind of go into the mix here as they try to figure things out. You know, another position that's super deep, Ryan, that we haven't talked a lot about yet because the starters are set. You, you could have six linebackers. I mean, you hmm. could literally stock your special teams units with these with the with a lot of these linebackers. I mean, Tyrell Adams is an absolute monster. Markel Lee, I think can do a little bit of everything and AJ Klein as well. So, um and don't and not to mention, I keep not mentioning him cuz I just I I kind of put him in the pocket of of Milano and Tremaine because he's been here, but Tyrell Dotson is a guy that I think has every bit of a chance to make this roster as anybody else. I think he's really good. I think he's really well liked in the room. I think he brings a lot of different things. So yeah, Matthew Harmon with a great point here. It is a great problem to have. Um, final thought on this, Ryan? Yeah. Final thought is, is they're, they're stacked. Like you said, they have some sneaky depth at linebacker. That's, it's a great problem to have. And it just shows you how night and day this roster is from when Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott first took over to where it is now. Uh, you, you know, you see the graphic all the time on social media, the, the weapons that Josh Allen started with, the Zay Jones, the Kelvin Benjamin, the Andre Holmes. Oh, but it, but it's Kelvin Benjamin. Did you uh, see that tweet today? Oh, and then some people actually took off with it like it was an actual oh, legit we, thing. Yeah. Can I do like a little public service announcement? Yes. Can you just lay yeah. off Calvin Benjamin, man? Like every time I see it, like, first of all, I never really thought it was funny. I get it. The cheeseburger jokes at first were like, you know, have a laugh. But like, I'm telling you, the dude, the, the dude never did anything to anybody, really. I mean, he didn't pan out. But like, let's lay off the guy. Like, people just cannot wait to tell a Calvin Benjamin joke. I don't know. I, I'm out on that. But beside the point, some news: he was released today by the Giants. Yeah, and it was kind of bizarre because he was on the field, and then he's walking off the field. The GMs with him, and and there were reports that it looked like a heated discussion, and I, I guess that part was legitimate. But then there was a social media account that said that he was caught stealing food from the facility. And this thing had like over 2,000 retweets the last time I looked at it. And it tricked some legitimate people into believing that was true. There were some the sites that wrote articles not realizing it was not a legitimate account. So, you know, like, like Matt said, kind of lay off the guy. He did not pan out. It was a bad trade. One of the, one of the few poor moves that Brandon Bean has made in his time here in Buffalo. 
But at the time, he was trying to get them that playoff push. He thought he could help out. Uh, just didn't happen. But, yeah, you know, kudos to the guy for at least realizing his career as a wide receiver is, is over and trying something new. This doesn't mean it's the end of the road for him. It just means it's possibly the end of the road for him with the Giants. So if he keeps working at it, uh, he could end up really maybe growing into the role. Um, you know, I, I now I'm kind of changing topics a little bit. Tyree Jackson apparently had a really good play today with the mm. Eagles. Former nice. U, former UB quarterback, former Buffalo Bill. Um, he's uh, I talked to him recently. Um, I wanted to get him on the pod, but he's so dialed in. It's a lot, man, going from quarterback to tight end, and so he's super busy. But he's going to give us a, a, a podcast appearance next off season. So I'm really looking forward to that because he's got some early Josh Allen thoughts, not only from being mm -hmm. in the Bills locker room and being in the quarterbacks room, but also working with him out in California. So that'll be really fun to catch up with him. But go ahead. Yeah, it just seemed, you know, you see what happened with Logan Thomas. It took years for the former quarterback to be converted to tight end, and now he gets that payday. Um, kudos to players that realize maybe Tyree really early in his career, okay, quarterback in the NFL is not going to happen for me. Where could I thrive? Tight end makes sense because of the size, because of the athleticism. So maybe he doesn't make this Eagles roster, but he's already flashing, doing some good things there. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they stash him on their practice squad and, and uh, he eventually develops into a quality tight end in this league. So, you know, kudos to him. Kudos to guys like Kelvin Benjamin, who did realize that the, the days of playing a certain position are in the past and trying to transition to something different. I am so excited. I'm going to see Ryan Talbot in T minus 48 hours coming over for some, some, some dinner I, I teased it, Ryan. Do we do the Friday podcast in person live? I love it. I love the idea. I, th I think, I think we have to should. do it. Yeah. I I don't think we've ever. Oh, no. we Well, we've never done a podcast in the same room, but we did do the video in Houston. So that definitely counts, uh, I think. But that'll be exciting. He'll be in town. We'll have full coverage on Saturday. Uh, little note, though, same reporting principles on Saturday, unfortunately. Hmm. So... Um, fans are going to be in attendance, so I'm sure people are going to be tweeting out video. And, uh, so I guess look for it there, but, uh, we will not be able to, uh, cause the reporting guidelines are still in place. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. No excuse not to. It's right under your fingertip. Hit that like button. Help us people. We are going to be live every day. We are on the ground. We are at practice and we are going to bring everything that we can talk about that we see to you. On the shout, Buffalo Bills friendly markets. Tops Fresh Burger Bar with over 30 varieties of beef, turkey, chicken, plant based, and gourmet blend burgers ready to grill. Tops Fresh Burger Bar has you smiling all summer long. They're all almost memorized. I love it. I might go over to Tops tonight, get me some uh, some ground beef to cook up some burgers. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm exhausted. I'm not having time for any of that today. <laughs> Probably going to have some Cheerios and go to bed. Um, so that is going to do it uh, for Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Don't miss the show tomorrow. Uh, I believe Saturday is probably the first padded practice, uh, but I got to find out that out for sure. I think it used to be, I was talking to Mark on today. He said, usually it's three spring like practices and then the pads, but um, who knows uh, the new CBA since the last time we had a traditional tr uh, training camp. So we'll see where that's at, but keep it locked down to the podcast. Cause we will have uh, reaction observations Intel every day. See you next time. For Ryan, I'm Matt. Have a great night.